This podcast is brought to you by Alliance Motor Auctions. Has your car shit itself? Then you've got to go with Alliance. It's the easiest way to buy a quality car at a very competitive price. Located in Moorbank, New South Wales. Call 02-9822-7200 or visit www.allianceauctions.com.au South Coast Window Furnishings. Have your window furnishings shit themselves? Then you've got to get in touch with SCWF. They service the south coast of New South Wales from Wollongong to Bermagui. Give Jamie a call for a free quote on 0408 812 007 or like them on Facebook at South Coast Window Furnishings. Elite Sports Physiotherapy. Has your back or another part of your body shit itself? Then look no further than ESP. Established in 2006, Elite Sports Physiotherapy provides physiotherapy and massage services to the people of Melbourne. Located on the mezzanine level, 13-15-1 Freshwater Place in Southbank, Melbourne. Give them a call on 03-8640-0328 or visit elitesportsphysio.com.au today. Also, special thanks to verse.com.au for putting the finishing touches on this podcast. Cheers. G'day there. Thanks for listening. This week's guest is Australian stand-up comedian Chris Ryan. Seven years ago, then aged 38 years of age, Chris, a married mother of two, decided to give stand-up comedy a go. And you know what? She's been kicking goals ever since, proving it's never too late to try something new. This is Taking It Easy with Daniel Connell. Chris Ryan, thanks for taking it easy with me today. How are you? Good, Dan. How you going? Great. I'm really good. It's 11am in the morning. Uh, we're here in Canberra, Australia, mm. your hometown, uh, the nation's capital. It's nine degrees outside. Not a cloud in the sky, but nevertheless, still nine degrees. You're a Canberra local. Uh, are you a staunch Canberra supporter or could you move somewhere quite easily you know, if the offer was given it up? It depends on... The attitude of the person asking, you know, I, <laughs> often um, if someone's really against Canberra, I'll just automatically be really for it. I generally love it, you know, yeah. and that's why I chose to live here, Dan. Um, but if if opportunities arose and my family were all on board, uh, I would certainly be open to, to moving. <laughs> right. <laughs> why is that funny? <laughs> I thought you were a staunch supporter. I thought you would never leave. Oh, never say never. Yeah. But, I but mean... Throw I, the offer of a beach house, 25 uh, degrees every day, thongs, shorts. You're thinking about it? Well, no. You know why? <laughs> because that place sounds like it, there's no comedy rooms and... I, no, there's a, a, a nightly comedy room. Oh, there's this not, place I've Okay, okay. Well, where is this place, Dan? Malaysia. <laughs> 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 I was trying to think of somewhere... <laughs> That's actually going to be 25 degrees every day. I know. And could have a comedy night. Because, well, I mean, Queensland, obviously. Could. Could. I don't know if it could sustain one every night. Well, exactly. Um, mm. But also, I, you know, there's things about Canberra that I really do love and I am a bit staunch about, which would be the fact that I can walk out my back door and be in a bush-like setting that feels like I have my own farm. Right. Without having to tend to anything. Mm. You know what I mean? 
that's good, walking up a hill with kangaroos around and stuff and you don't have to worry that they're eating your crops. Or, yeah, or you they've know. got frost on their back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. The co- what I don't – when I don't like Canberra is probably this time of year, to be honest, like when grey – the grey clouds set in for a couple mm. of months, that really gets me down. Yeah. But but at the moment we've got a beautiful blue sky, so I'm, I'm feeling chip, chipper. Okay. Well, the days like this – just I, I lived here for three years, as you know, mm. and – Days like this are the days that used to do my head in because you'd, I'm not really one to look at weather or mm. weather apps, but I, I just look outside. All right, that's blue sky, sun's out. Yeah, just maybe a jumper and a shirt and a pair of pants. Yep. No, you need. No, you need. You just some. walked into a fridge, mate. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> it is. I have heard it described as Scandinavian. Um, <laughs> John Crookshank called it that. Um, I I don't know. It's. Uh, why did you leave, Dan? Well, I lo- I did like Canberra a lot, but I, I just needed a – I moved to Melbourne. I just started comedy. I mm. thought it might be a, not a bad idea to move there, even though the scene here was fantastic uh, and still is. But I needed a change in my life more than anything. Like I needed a, yeah, yeah. a freshen up. I, yeah. I just wasn't. Well, you uh, started – you were one of the ones that started the com- comedy scene here. Well, not so much the scene. The scene was kind of already going for a few years. But I started the with Jay Sullivan. We sp- Went and met the pub, the Civic the pub. Civic pub, yeah. Yeah, and put in that expression of interest and they took us on. And that's um, now 10 years ago. Can you believe it? Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, so, yeah, that that was going. The front was going then as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I just needed to get out of camera. It was just, yeah. It, yeah. Was, more, it was more my lifestyle and yeah. my head and everything. I just yeah. wanted to change. Did it work? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, lucky you. Melbourne's nice. Yeah, I know it is It's still nice. cold, but. Just a bit bigger than here. Uh, now you had an interesting childhood. You've you've been a Canberra local since about the nine nine years of age. Yep. Uh, tell us about your years before that, from the years maybe six months to nine years. So I was born in Sydney, and um, at three months of age, my parents moved to Hyderabad, South India. Mm. And um, my dad was an agricultural economist, worked for a crops research institute, and. Um, yeah, mum looked after me and my brother, uh, who was seven years older than, than me, Steve. And yep. um, we had a great life in India with um, getting to know lots of uh, pretty interesting kids from all over over the world and, and all over India. And then, uh, yeah, I guess my brother went to boarding school and I sort of was this, I don't know, so this is in India. He went to boarding school. Yeah, over there. he went to boarding school two two days drive away. Wow. Yeah, in in the very tip down the bottom of India in yeah. in um, Tamil Nadu, at a place called Kodi Canal, which was an international high school. And um, he, I mean, he still. Oh gosh, that day that mum and dad dropped him off down there, and he was like <laughs> about twelve. Oh, that was a tough day. Not for he, you. Oh uh, well, I I mean, <laughs> I have I don't like saying goodbyes like right. that. I've never liked saying goodbyes and um he when he tells that story i just think god that's so sad you know Mm. like this little kid waving goodbye to his mum and dad driving off down the hill you know and he's stuck yeah and he's stuck in this completely unknown you know a school that's huge and he has to live there and eat all meals there and then Mm. only come home at holidays especially when there was the exact same boarding school just a couple of k's away (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, so, yeah, it was a great life. So, were you predominantly around 
other uh, Western kids, like kids from Australia and whose parents worked over there for the government? Yeah, they, they worked for um, – it was called the International Crops Research Centre for the Semi-Arid Tropics, ICRASAT, and um, it was – it was funded by the World Bank and so they were just um, sort of scientists and economists from all over the world and uh, the kids, um, their kids, we all sort of went to an international school mm-hmm. and we learnt French. We didn't okay. learn Hindi, which is weird because it was the 70s, you know. Mm. We should have probably learnt Hindi but never yeah. mind. Was there, there was, was there Indian kids still at the school? Um, there were some. And- there were some. There was a, a couple of Sri Lankan kids at the school. Um, predominantly, the local kids went to the local schools. You know, um, so it was mainly Westerners and and you know, kids from um, outside of India that I grew up with, mm. sort of and around. Yeah, it was an un- unusual, I suppose, experience. It's the only experience I know. I was about to say, yeah, yeah. if you don't know any other. Yeah. Uh, ch- did you like, – when you're a kid, you don't really think about your future or anything. You just go day by day. You <laughs> want to play, get your lollies, have a great time. But did you did you think that, that was going to be – you were going to live in India forever? I think – Or did, you, did your parents say, you know, this is just till a certain amount of time. We'll head back to Canberra eventually. Um, I never knew that we'd come to Canberra. Until, you know, just before we came to Canberra sort right. of thing. Um, Mum and Dad were from Sydney, Sydney from Bondi. Uh, and we used to come back to Australia for annual holidays. So I did – I was familiar with Australia. Um, it was the place where there was um, McDonald's and, you know. Mm. Um, I remember going to the Gold Coast a lot because my cousins lived there and my mum's sister, my auntie Jewel, lived there. So we'd go to the Gold Coast on our annual leave and that was my taste of Australia, you know. I don't know if you remember the Gold Coast in the 80s and it was like, I don't know, Grundy's. It was this big arcade yeah. where on the surface paradise they'd you could play, you know, pinball games and I don't know. It was it was yeah. so exhilarating. Hollywood. And yes, it was Hollywood mm. and it was like you could have a McDonald's burger. What? There's Coca-Cola here <laughs> yeah. and television. I mean, I remember we didn't get television until about a year before we left India. That They didn't have television, you know. And the first thing when we turned on this television, the first thing I watched was an appendix operation. What? That, that, that was what was on television. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not even making it up. It just was. Is and it still your favourite show to this day? <laughs> <laughs> I should have taken, you know, notes. Yeah, I would have yeah. been a much smarter and better off person. Um, yeah, it wasn't things like The Wiggles or ABC TV for kids. It was it was a black and white appendix operation. So I didn't watch a lot of telly yeah. growing up. <laughs> <laughs> no, there was a lot of outdoors, you know. A lot yeah. of make believe in a treehouse, that kind, mm. of, and and ha- I remember harassing my cat a lot, okay. a, just a lot, yeah. you know. And my parents didn't have the cat desect, so that cat was having a lot of kittens right. quite frequently. Not having a very healthy relationship with those kittens, uh, <laughs> that cat didn't want those kittens. Um, so, and I was always defending the kittens against its their mum. It was yeah. a very twisted scenario. <laughs> And half the problem was that I was probably clutching at the kittens when I shouldn't have yeah. put my scent all over them. Anyway, I, I'm feel loaded with guilt for my time in India, Dan. Did you have the last laugh with that cat and take its appendix out? <laughs> <laughs> oh, do they have appendix cats? I'm, I'm sure. sure they do. You'd think so. Well, uh, any like childhood, those years, one to nine, 
I have a few memories from childhood, like fun things of cubby houses or things mm. like that. Is there anything in your mind that you just always remember from that, those nine years in India that is the one thing you always think of, oh. for like a good memory? I I really did have uh, I had great a great best friend across the road, and we played all day every day when mm. when we weren't at school, and that was the best. I mean, yeah. anywhere you live in the world as a kid, if you can have a best mate across the road, oh. that's the golden ticket, isn't it? Absolutely, like nothing better. You mm. don't have to really ask for transport anywhere to see that mate. Mm. You can have like back to back sleepovers, and really the parents would be. Idiots to disagree. Yeah, and they can just give a nod across the road. Totally, totally. Any sort of call. Yeah, and if you're sick of this house, you go to that one. Yeah. I mean, that was the best. I had Claire who lived across the road and she she was my best mate. Um, before Claire, there was Eleni. She was from um, Brazil. Mm-hmm. Dropped off her though pretty quickly. Well, she didn't live as close. Okay. You know, it was yeah. that simple. Um, Sorry. Proximity. <laughs> it's <is> closer. <laughs> it's everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, hanging out with mates. Oh, the food. I mean, I was, of course, I was obsessed with the food. But the, yeah. the cat, the treehouse, uh, you know, yeah. I, I, was, I was quite indulged. But I also miss my brother heaps. Yeah. Know? I miss my brother heaps. So he's down there the whole, pretty much he'd just come home for holidays. Yeah, pre- yep. And we'd go and visit every now and then or when he had a concert or something and he played mm. the flute. Um but, but yeah, a lot of my childhood I was missing my brother. Okay. Yeah. He's two days away at a boarding school and yeah. he's playing the flute. What, <laughs> I, I imagine his, his memory of that time wouldn't be as oh, he, joyous as yours. You know what? The thing is, he, it, my brother's got a very positive outlook. He's a very different man to me. <laughs> um, he absolutely loved those years. He looks back on them as like some of the best years in his life, okay. you know. And um, – Still has mates and still in touch with mates from all over the world because because of that upgrade. Oh, that's cool, yeah. Um, and now he, he manages a club for the Raiders, go figure. Really? Yeah, in, <laughs> in Brizzy. <laughs> um, yeah. So you come back to Canberra. Mm. Uh, so I'm guessing that would be in the 80s, early yeah. 80s? Yep, 82 or something, 81 too. Yep, come yep. back here. Um, was Canberra as advanced as India was? Can- uh, when you- <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to imagine Canberra as somewhere you look to, f- you know, as a futuristic kind yeah. of metropolis. But that's how I felt. Because the the new Parliament House wouldn't have been there then, would it? No, no, Still that was old built- Parliament House. Yep. Population me, of Canberra then? Do you remember? Wouldn't have a clue, mate. Wouldn't even have, know now. I think it's like three hundred thousand. Three hundred. I'd imagine back yeah. then it would have only been like thirty oh, or forty. Small. There was no cool things going mm. on. The, there was nothing cool. Um, but no one was cool. Do you remember? Like. There was no cool. Like everyone was just normal, boring people. We were all the same. You know, we just wore the same clothes. Yeah. We had the same haircuts. I don't know. That Maybe that was just my take on it. Yeah. But I feel like there's a lot more cool stuff going on now. Oh, it's, a, yeah, everywhere. it's definitely caught up. And, and people are okay with being different and mm-hmm. it's good, you know. Yeah. Um, like there was no Braddon. There was no cool places to eat. <laughs> You know, there wasn't. Yeah, yeah. There was just like, you know, Belconnen Mall yeah. where I worked. Which is great. In high I've school. worked in Belconnen Mall. Did as you? Well. Where yeah. did you work? JB Hi Fi. Oh, Belconnen nice. Mall. That's yeah. a good young man's job, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think I worked there for about six months in the DVD section. <laughs> <laughs> there wouldn't even be a DVD section now. No. Oh, no, they do no, still. They would, yeah. But they're all on sale. Yeah. Three no for 15 bucks. That's sort of, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, used to, I used to put the security tag in them. Oh, and then like clean, like wrap them in the yeah. plastic. Yeah, great times. Yeah, yeah. no, well, that's a meaningful position. <laughs> um, I I worked for the Australian East India Company. That was my first job in high school. 
Right. Um, that was up on the third level in Belconnor Mall. Yeah. We sold heaps of trinkets, um, <laughs> lots of basketware. Um, and did you think, did you go in there and say, I actually lived in India <laughs> from three months to nine? And they were like, you're, you're hired. You've got the job. <laughs> yeah. um, a, mate got, a mate got me the job. Okay. Yeah. So no, n- you never referenced that you lived in India to oh, get the job? It wasn't part of the process, okay. I don't think. I don't think. Thought, this, she knows a lot about Yeah, and India. why is she doing that Indian accent? <laughs> it seems inappropriate. Um, <laughs> when I came back from India, I had a very strange accent. It was a mashup accent of lots of different cultures. Oh, right. I never I'd would just, have thought about that. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, there were cassette recordings that I, I used to make t- tapes to send to my brother. Um, just saying sucked in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here getting all the love from mum and dad. Yeah. <laughs> um, Claire, no, Claire's uh, sleeping over. <laughs> Where are you? <laughs> I, uh, and mum and dad used to make the tape as well. So they'd say stuff to him mm-hmm. and, and then I'd get on and I'd say stuff like, I, 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 I shouldn't do the accent. I always feel bad doing accents that are not mine now. You know mm, what I mean? Yeah. Well, you, you can do it to say what you sound like well, when you're a kid. That's like fine because you actually I, did sound like that. I did like sound that. like that. So I sounded like this mashup between like South African, American, you know, um, Indian, mm. Australian. Uh, it was sort of like, in maths I got a B. Right. You know, in English I got an A. So that's what you that's sounded, what I like sounded like as a child. Yeah. When you came back here, was that? Yes. That, so when I kids, like, where had day one from? at uh, – Red Hill Primary School, people couldn't – they didn't know what to make of me. Mm. You know, I, I was standing on the outside looking in, Dan. Yeah. Um, it was definitely – Great cold chisel song as well, by the way. <laughs> was that out of the time? Story of my life. <laughs> um, it was weird, you know. I was yeah. weird. I was weird to them. Yeah. And um, I didn't understand why and – uh, it was I was yeah a bit of an outsider. I think it's a it's a common story yeah. in comedy. I think to it be, would be confusing as well for a kid at Red Hill Primary School yeah. that this Caucasian girls oh, come yeah. back and then said because they probably wouldn't even know India what where no like another country that's what, right yeah, why were you there yeah wouldn't comprehend you know, no it kid. didn't make sense and and I, even as an adult you know if I tell people um, that I grew up in India they're like oh are you Indian mm. and I I think look at me do I. Mm. I mean, I know some people, you know, look different to what maybe they – but, yeah, no, I, I'm not Indian. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just in case you're wondering. Yeah. So did you go to university after I did. you finished your schooling here in Canberra? I did. Did you go to ANU or UC? Yeah, ANU. Yeah. I did an arts degree. I wanted to be a journo. I did work experience in year nine – Mm-hmm. At the Canberra Times, Ooh. and I thought this is the job for me. And also, I used to watch sixty Minutes okay. on a Sunday night. Yeah, and I loved Yarn Event. Yeah, there was a lot of people loved Yarn Event. Yana was huge. She was like this power woman, and I didn't even know that. She, I didn't even think of her as a power woman. I just thought she has a cool job. She gets to fly all around the world, mm. and look, she's on telly. Yeah, um, that's all I wanted to do. I wanted to fly around the world and be on telly. And I liked talking to people and I liked finding out their stories and did this work experience. I mean, it was ludicrous. I really just accompanied a photographer and wrote hardly anything at all. But that's when I decided I want to be a journo. That would have been primetime newspaper yeah, era, wouldn't it? Like, it was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. papers were big Especially still. with Parliament being here, mm. you know, year nine, what would that – that's like late 80s. Yeah, it was 90s. like 87. Yeah, yeah. so that's – yeah, that's Bob Hawke time, know, probably Bob Hawke, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, a lot's happening yeah. in the world. And uh, so I wanted to do that, but it was really hard to get into journalism because everyone wanted to be one. Mm. Um, so, and I mean, um, one imagines maybe because it was hard as well. But um, yeah, the, the 
the score, you had to have too high a score to get in. So I just did an arts degree. Yeah. And then when I finished that, I um, applied everywhere to just get a cadetship with a regional paper. Mm-hmm. And I remember I lived in my parents' flat because they had by that time had moved back to India. And I was just applying for jobs in Wagga, um, you know, Lismore, down the coast, mm. Goulburn, and just not having much luck and just waitressing. And then finally got a call out of the blue from the Bay Post Maria Examiner, mm. mate, your, your yeah. home turf. So was it called that then or was yeah, it called Bay Post, Post Maria, Maria Examiner? Examiner. Yeah. Okay, yeah. It was and a double-masked head, I think. That's yeah. what, I don't know what that means. <laughs> so there's a possibility. So what were you doing down there? So this is uh, Batemans Bay and Maria, South Coast, New South Wales. That's right. So I lived in God's Gorilla country, Bay. as it's known. It is utterly to exquisite. me yes. and other people from the area. And you're right. You're right. As long as, you know, you d- well, yes. If you haven't been there, get down there. Get some fish and chips in. Do you have oh, some oysters? Yeah. Have a couple of nights at the... At a motor lodge down there. <laughs> At a motor lodge. Yeah, yeah, you'll feel a million bucks. <laughs> it is beautiful. Mm. Absolutely love it down there. Um, so I think I was there, Dan, uh, I think I probably moved there in 1997. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. So I reckon, what were you, what, what stories were you covering? Oh, mate. Did you ever do sports stuff? No. No, okay. No. I was going to say, there's a possibility you could have. Covered you doing some, 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 what, AFL? What did you do? Rugby league and cricket. Rugby league. That 14 would have been the prime ages Right. Mm. Jeez, would you have been 14 then? Yes. (laughs) Wowee. Yeah, I'm really old, so. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So a couple of years down there, working for the paper. Yes. Met Um, met the future father of my children. Yeah, right. Um, Had to interview him for the paper. He Is was right? designing a cycleway. Yeah. He's a town planner. He worked for himself. When I say work, <laughs> that's a loose term. Um, <laughs> he got jobs every now and then yeah. <laughs> and then surfed the rest of the time. Uh, so you interviewed him? Yeah, I had to interview him because – Still he- to this day, you, one would say you'd be putting him under the microscope. Oh, like look, I think I'm – Asking him questions. I've asked most of the questions. They're pretty much, I know all the answers now. <laughs> the interview's over. Yeah, the interview's well and truly over. We just sort of in – Sort of hang out um, <laughs> silently. Days will pass, and all we'll say is, "Do you want a cup of tea?" Yeah. <laughs> uh, so at that time, so you met him, mm. you were interviewing him. Mm. Was there any sparks in the interview, or did you just think? Oh, I'd already decided he was hot because, okay. like, there was yeah. about like I don't know, maybe three men in the entire Yorba Dallas Shire. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> at that at that time, you know, and um, he was one of them, and he was definitely the hot one. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd I'd seen him cross the road going to the travel agency. Mm. Um, he had a very strange Mexican briefcase. Okay, and it it piqued my interest then. And mm-hmm. um, he also wore shorts with holes in them. You know, not trendy holes, but just like this is worn out, and I don't care. Stuff you know, he was very opposite to me. Yeah. I was, con- you know, I was more concerned about how I looked. Mind you, I would wear men's suits and ties from Vinnie's at that <laughs> point in time. It was the nineties, and and so I already knew I decided he was hot. Mm. And then I had to interview him, and um, he was wearing reflective sunglasses, <laughs> and that really pissed me off because you could just see yourself. <laughs> yeah, just and yourself frowning. Yeah. <laughs> seeing my own face getting yeah. turned off, yeah. and um. And so I actually said to him, I'm going to need you to take those off. (laughs) (laughs) So then after the interview, you have a few little dates and the rest is history. I must say he was quite – 
I think he was quite brave, you mm. know, like he, he showed up at my workplace the next day and asked me to lunch. Oh. I know, and I thought that was, um, that was brave. That's brave. Mind you, I did have self-esteem problems, so I actually thought, this is how I overthought it, I thought he's come here because he's met me, mm. but what he really wants to do is get to know the ad chick, the chick that worked <laughs> in advertising because okay. she's better looking. <laughs> So the whole time we're at lunch, I was waiting for him to ask the question. So I understand you work with Sarah. She's um, she's single. I kept waiting for that. It never happened. Um, Still still waiting. It's been 22 years. (laughs) I'm sure it'll come up. That would be a curveball now if he was to Mm. ask you that question. Oh, Mm. you know what? Have at it. Um, (laughs) No, I'd be most disappointed. Oh, that's lovely. And, Mm. And now... Many years down the track, mm. 2019. Yeah. A couple of kids. Yeah. Under the belt. Yeah. Both of you. Got that done. Mm. Tick. Nice. Uh, <laughs> how old are they now? 15, nearly 16. 13, nearly 14. Great. Mm. Excellent stuff. You're listening to Taking It Easy with Daniel Connell. Hey, before we go back to the podcast, I want to tell you about someone. That someone is Melbourne-based photographer Nicole Reid. One of the most sought-after photographers going around, Nicole has taken photos for all sorts of people. Comedians like Peter Hellyer and Anne Edmonds, musical acts like the Hilltop Hoods, and sports stars like Buddy Franklin. If you want to see how great her work is, I suggest you head over to her Instagram page. It's Nicole Reid Photographer. While you're at it, you may as well jump on her website, which is www.nicolereid.photography. Get in contact and book in a shoot today. Now, let's get back to the podcast. So, now we want to get into uh, the next phase of your life. You get to the age of 38. Um, oh, actually, let's talk about what, what did you do between uh, leaving Bateman's Bay Maria Examiner? Oh, yeah. Bay Post yeah. Maria Examiner. Uh, meeting your future husband, late 90s. What, what other jobs did you do uh, between uh, now and when you started stand-up comedy? I worked um, – I, I got – actually, I left journalism – to go move back to Canberra because my partner, Richard, moved to Canberra. Mm-hmm. To, he decided it was time for a change. He loved the coast so much but he knew that he was stagnating a bit and so he decided, he forced himself out to move and to get a job. He mm-hmm. got a job in the government. And um, so I sort of missed him and I was sick of commuting to visit him for two years. So mm-hmm. I got a job in the government too. So I got my first ever public service job and, and – almost last, um, it, w- it was working for the Council for Aboriginal Reconciliation okay. as a public affairs officer. So, interesting. Yeah, it was brilliant. For most, I, APS jobs can be a it bit was the best. Uh, boring, but that yeah. sounds very interesting. It was so good. I learned so much and I worked for brilliant Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people and um, got to do media liaison and mm. uh, see from the other side, you know, how to pitch stories and, yeah. and stuff like that. I got involved in... Um, I don't know, you know, lots of symbolic events, I guess you would yeah. say. Um, unfortunately, uh, you know, reconciliation is – that's a whole other topic. Yeah. Um, but did you find – did you learn a whole heap of things about Aboriginals and I Aboriginal did, culture, culture that you didn't previously oh, aware of? Absolutely. Yeah. And um, I was so – I really felt lucky to mm. learn that from such great people and um, very patient people who would, you know, set me straight when mm. I didn't understand things and um, – Oh, just just to just to actually work alongside Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people for the first time um, toward a common goal, and it was an experience I really hope my kids get. 
you know, mm. like it was an unusual workplace in that the balance was it was much more even. It wasn't just like 2% of the, you know, workforce is Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander. Mm. It was heaps more. It was mm. like half-half almost, yeah. you know, and which is great. Yeah. It's such a great environment to work in because it it just makes different things normal. Mm. Well, it's good to hear that that, that is the ratio – yeah, in, I, I, in that, that's how I remember it. Maybe I'm wrong, but it felt more like that. Yeah, yeah. because you see, you know, with mm. Aboriginal and Torres Strait issues, mm. you might see like people arguing about something on the TV and it's three Three white, white people. people, I know. Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. nice to hear that at least it's 50-50. It probably should be 80-20. Oh, absolutely, you know. absolutely. And, and it was just great meeting, um, you know, young Indigenous people who were – uh, coming up through the ranks and mm. becoming leaders. And I've watched now their careers from afar, people like Tanya Hosh and um, Kirsty Parker and Karen Mundine, yeah. uh, who's now the CEO of Reconciliation Australia, just come through as young people and get these get these great education and, and experiences and then just want to lead and become the new generation great. of leaders. Yeah. And it's just been a really... Um, yeah, it's a great. It was a great experience. I'm so glad I got to do it, and it sort of set me up then for the rest of my career. Yeah. I, I specialised in Indigenous communications, yeah. ran my own business for a while, um, doing doing that. Excellent, um, and worked with you know. Um, tr- once I hired a, an uh, Aboriginal woman who was brilliant. Um, when I had I dabbled in having a company for a while, mm-hmm. um, and. All of that, you know, that was such a great experience doing comms, um, learning about how to communicate, how to yeah. get the right message to the right audience, all that sort of stuff. Okay. So that doesn't – I guess a, a little bit of it goes towards a performing uh, aspect. Uh, wh- what hmm. stage during these years down the coast, you know, working with hmm. you know, Reconciliation Australia, when did stand-up <laughs> – or even the thought of performing in front of people and trying to do jokes come into your mind. Yeah, isn't that weird? Yeah. So I forgot to mention a couple of key points probably Ooh. that built to okay. to that. I guess back – I guess You were I'll, one of India's biggest stand-up comedians <laughs> <laughs> through, through the 90s. I started stand-up in India yeah, in right. the 70s. Um, <laughs> no, uh, in my primary school, I always wanted to perform. Mm-hmm. I was – I don't know. I, I try and analyse that now. That's not funny, but I, I try and analyse why that came about. I don't know, but it did. And I always wanted to be on stage. I liked it. Mm. I liked singing. I liked um, acting, performing, all okay. that stuff. So throughout my school life, I was always doing some kind of performance um, mm-hmm. in plays and whatnot. And then when I went and moved to the coast – I decided I wanted to try a whole bunch of new things. I tried lots of different things. I tried Tai Chi. Uh, A guy called Bede, who was Mm -hmm. a landscape gardener, took Tai Chi lessons because you do lots of different (laughs) – it's a gig economy. Um, And and then I tried tried working at the radio station, the community radio station, and then I thought, bugger this, I've always wanted to sing. I reckon I can sing. Okay. And so I sang and I got two random dudes – at a party, I met two random brothers mm. who were looking for a singer and to form a band, a cover band, and I joined their weird little band down at the coast. Really? And my first ever gig, yeah, I, and we were singing, you know, stuff like um, oh, Heart of Gold. What's that guy? What's his name again? You know? Heart of Gold. You know? Oh, that's uh, Neil. Neil, Neil Young. Gold. Yeah, Neil there was Young, Neil yeah. Young. There was like, you know, Alanis Morissette. Mm. There was just all the 90s stuff was going on, yeah. you know. And um, – our first ever gig was actually down at the Bermagui pub on New oh. Year's Eve, uh, 97, I think it was. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and this is 
pertinent because my outgoing and gorgeous friend from the paper, Sarah, mm. who I mentioned earlier, she at this stage my partner was visiting a lot. We hadn't like we weren't girlfriend boyfriend yet. Mm. We were still chatting. Yeah. And um and I because I still wasn't sure whether he fancied her, okay. even though there was no evidence of that. Yeah. And she. Um, invited him to come down to my first ever gig in the band. Mm. And so at New Year's Eve, that's when we got together. That's our anniversary. Okay. Yeah. Um, so thanks, Sarah, for doing that. Yeah. So um, he saw you on stage. Yeah, and he was like, righto. Yeah. That's all right. Um, <laughs> so the the performance thing was always there and it was pretty easy. And I, I don't know, I've always liked, you know, to try and make people laugh. You know, Dan, you know how it is. Mm. Um, and so – it was pretty natural jump from music to to do comedy. Okay. I, I was in a cover band here in Canberra for a while. Mm-hmm. I got sick of. Sin- what was the ca- cover band's name? Mister Hanky. Great. <laughs> the Christmas poo. <laughs> <laughs> from South Park. Okay, um, so you've already got a bit of a stage presence. Bit of stage you've got, time. You haven't got the fear of holding a microphone and making sound into the microphone. No, just not. Uh, jokes. You had a bit of media communications. Yeah. So you, you're not you're not afraid to talk to people, mm. say your mind, mm. speak your mind. 38 years of age, yep. you take the plunge, yep. give stand-up comedy a go. Hmm. Now, 38 is probably… Too old, really. Well… Yeah, not, well, too old. You're never too old to do anything, <laughs> as they say. Um, except for comedy, of course, that is far too old. <laughs> now, it's great. 38, you decide to do it. What triggered it? Like, what, what was the point where you thought, you know what… I am going to give stand-up mm. comedy a go. You, did you see something? You saw mm. a gig? Did you know someone from work that was gigging? How did that come mm. about? Well, the the not-so-attractive story about that is that I'd come through postnatal depression. Really? And, yeah. Okay. And, and I was sick of being invisible with small children mm-hmm. um, because it's a really hard slog. So did you have that for your second child or both? I actually, or? it turns out I had it the whole time um, without knowing it. I just really? thought I was a bad parent and it was really, really hard, which it is. But it doesn't need to be that hard. Mm. Um, I just didn't know how hard it was meant to be, you mm. know. And um, so I, when I finally went to the GP, um, he – I love my GP. He said, look, I think you've actually had it for three years, mm-hmm. but I had to wait for you to come and talk to me about it because if I had raised it with you, you would never have come back and I wouldn't have been able to help you. Wow. And he's right because yeah. I would have been. I would have been very proud about it. Yeah. Um, so when he diagnosed me, I was really relieved. Um, it was such a relief because it all made sense and I felt like, oh, okay, we can start to fix this now. It doesn't. Mm. I don't need to be angry all the time. Mm. you know. And so there was this dark period mm. um, in my life Unfortunately, just in that early childhood phase, um, and I wish I could take it back. I wish I could be different, but it, but it just happened. Well, yeah, it's you a, know? it's a, a very it's common, and it's mm. uh, it's a very untalked. Not many people talk about it. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah. unfortunately, it'd be great if more people oh, did. Absolutely, um, and I do talk about it with anyone that's you know anyone that wants to hear about it, sort mm. of thing. Um, because it was hard, and yeah. um, but I think without that hardness, without that um, period of my life where. Uh, I, noth- I, fe- I felt like nothing I said or did mattered. Like it, I know that my children needed me and I love them dearly, um, but f- I felt no- I was not anything mm. other than just a carer. And um, Did Richard notice a change in you during that time? Yeah, very much. But he there's no um, guidebook for parents mm. on how to behave when your partner is troubled, you mm. know, or you don't know why they're so 
angry or why it's so hard to talk to them about anything, you know, like mm. you just think, oh, God, maybe it'll pass, you know. Mm. And so he, he, it was very hard for both of us. Mm. It's quite extraordinary and a testament, you know, that we're still punching on, yeah. you know, some years later. And, and um, so I guess without that difficulty, I might not have p- propelled myself into something like comedy. Mm. I think it took that to, okay. to make me go, I'm not wasting any more time. Yeah. You know, I've got to give this a crack. And I've always loved watching Fiona O'Loughlin. I've always, um, you know, I, I didn't have a lot of comedy in my life, but whenever I saw comedy, it was just like, this is this is the stuff. Mm. This is what it's about. And so um, I guess I just wasn't afraid of trying. Mm. I f- and I, I had thought of comedy earlier in my life, but I just didn't feel like I had anything to say. Yeah. And I thought I needed my theory was I needed something I needed some darkness before I could do yeah. comedy. Yeah. And um I guess that's what ended up happening. It's interesting, isn't mm. it? Because a lot of comedians do have something that's triggered them to mm. do stand up or something in their past that, you know, they want to talk about or makes them want to get on stage and, you mm. know, sort of gets rid of that fear of, you know, performing and just thinks fuck it yeah there's nothing to lose yeah nothing to lose i felt like there was nothing to lose yeah yeah so you have your first gig 38 yeah Yeah. how did the first one go do you remember oh yeah i mean anyone that's done comedy will tell you the first gigs are sweet Mm. you know sweet ride they give you they're very generous to you and they're kind and they even if you're not that funny or you don't get that many punchlines in um you're gonna get a lot of love for the guts of it Mm. people love seeing People have a crack, yeah. um, especially for a first time. If you're still rubbish by about the 28th time, they <laughs> yeah. don't have as much warmth in their heart <laughs> yeah. for you anymore. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was it was raw comedy, so it was it was an amazing room. Tilly's a beautiful room in mm. Canberra that unfortunately doesn't seem to do comedy anymore, but ah. I, do, I want to investigate that. And, yeah, I had my partner there and a couple of my best mates um, um, and I had a great time. Yeah. I, you know, it was, it was great. You really do become – if you get a laugh early on, it's very addictive, isn't it? Like oh. it, something goes inside your body yeah. and you get some sort of buzz you've never had before. Totally. You're like, geez, I want more of that. Totally. Um, since you took the plunge and turned to stand-up comedy, have friends of yours changed careers at all or sort of seen what you've done and gone, you know what, I might mix it up or do they think you're absolutely crazy for doing what you're doing? <laughs> I think um, I'm, not, I'm not sure that I have done anything to inspire people to change their own uh, activities or careers or anything like that. I do know, though, that a lot of people have come up to me, a lot of friends and acquaintances have come up to mm. me and said they were very happy to see me doing this and that it was inspirational. And I think that um, it's good to see people do things that you don't expect from them. Mm. I love seeing yeah. – I love being surprised by people. Yeah. You know, like I met a woman that was a wrestler – you know, and, right. and she's amazing mm. and I just never would have known. You know, like it's just great seeing people do things that are not predictable. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that's the joy of it. It doesn't matter whether it's comedy or anything. I mean, mm. people seem to f- be afraid of public speaking and I know that's a fear of most people but I never have thought of it as a big deal. Mm. In fact, it feels natural to be on stage. Ooh, it feels better. Nice. It feels better on stage yep. usually than – yeah. It being in my head for the rest of the time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so you start doing regular gigs around the local stand-up scene here in Canberra. I started out in the same scene. Um, how did you find it uh, yourself, like uh, with the community here? It's very small, tight-knit. 
not a massive amount of gigs, but enough to really cut your teeth. Uh, did how did you feel? How did you feel like they they took you in? Was it um, a Doing, nice experience? Oh yeah, I mean I love I love the Canberra comedy scene. Mm. I mean, it's I couldn't have come where I've come, you know, without them. People that started civic pubs, such as yourself and Tom Gibson and Emmo and Hamish and and uh, Tim Dark and then you know Dave Graham continuing to keep it running every every week. I it, it was a lot of men. I'm going to say it's yeah, a lot of men. Yeah. You know, the was, founding I think fathers. It was probably <laughs> when I left, I reckon there was maybe two out of maybe fifteen two mm. were, two were female. So yeah, that's what that's why I wanted to get your point of view yeah. on it because it was. Yeah, there wasn't many. Yeah, so Eddie Nelson female. was my dearest buddy. I, I, yeah. met, I met her the, the first time I did comedy at Raw. She was in it as well. And she uh, was a, is a town planner like my partner. We started chatting and we became firm friends ever since. Mm. And I still speak to her regularly yeah. uh, even though she's moved. Um, it was just Eddie and I and, and she was the only other – sort of mum comic getting about in when I started in mm. 2012 and she'd been doing it for a while so she'd been on her own for some time in the Canberra yeah. comedy scene before me um, and then you know you'd get some come up come and go I'm talking women yeah. um, there was a few that would pop up and then just disappear mm. Um it's not for everyone, no. you know. It's a but yeah. There's a the distinct lack of women, but that's mm. just not a Canberra thing. That's a worldwide yeah. thing. I know, and I know people like Tim Duck, who is the heart and soul of mm. Canberra comedy. They they would get people like him would get so excited when a new yeah. a, a lady would be yeah. keen to try yeah. stand up. You yep. know, that's what we wanted that diversity and oh, absolutely. I know, it. and it's not like you set out to make it an unwelcoming place. Or it wasn't. Mm. I didn't feel unwelcome. Mm. It's just, you know, it's a combination of things. God, if we mm. knew the answer to that, we'd solve the world, wouldn't yeah. we, Dan? But it was um, – I do remember getting a little bit of people giving me advice. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, I remember yeah. getting advice early on. Okay. And uh, it wasn't always helpful. No. But the most helpful advice I got was to get a book called The Comedy Bible okay. and to read it. Right. <laughs> By Judy Carter. And yeah. I that's the advice I give anyone that asks me for advice yeah. now. I'm like, just get that book and read that. I don't know. Because I can't – deconstruct like I've you know Tom Gibson is mm. a dear friend of mine great great comedian he's very good at deconstructing comedy mm. and down to its basic principles and the set up the punchline the <laughs> yeah. act out the twist the thing the th- <laughs> you know why doesn't that work why does this work whereas I just sort of go I don't know I just kind of thought it was funny yeah. you know yeah. um, and so I don't try to, I don't really I mean if people ask for advice, the problem is no one asks for advice. No. Um, the ones that should be asking don't ask. <laughs> yeah. And then if they do ask, they don't listen yeah. to the advice. Yeah. So, it, I think it's very much – it's a very much a one you're, – you're really on your own yes. early all the way through really to figure it out. And uh, I think it's the best way to do it is to figure it out for yourself over time. Yeah. You can take – Little yeah. particles of what people say, maybe, and take that on board. You, you, it's your choice. You pick and choose what you want to hear and what yeah. you think is good advice for you. Yeah, take that in. But yeah, you don't have to. Take yeah, that's in, true. If there's nuffies giving you just <laughs> nuffy advice, just put. Just be like, yeah, cheers, buddy. <laughs> Catch you later. But even good people giving you good advice, you know, and and because you seek out people that you want advice from because you like mm. something about them, you mm. know. Sometimes not all their advice is going to work for you. So, mm. you know, you're just a completely different brain and it doesn't work yeah. for you that way. Mm. But um, it's been great. I've, you know, had good buddies here and they have been blokes, you know. Mm. Tom and Emo and Hamish have been very great friends yeah. of mine in comedy, always supportive and, you know, it's been good to have that. Um, we're starting to see 
you know, new people coming through. There, were, you know, Sue Stanick is a brilliant, you know, woman uh, younger than me, but she's a mum. She's coming through. Mm. Um, I'm giving um, opportunities in a couple of rooms that I run to get new newcomers to come through. Yeah, and yeah, we're trying to create a diverse scene here, or at least make it welcoming for mm. diversity. Uh, it's a shame, still to this day, a lot of Canberrans don't even know yeah. there is Canberra comedy. Mm. Uh, that was a battle we had early days before I left here. Um, I feel like it's getting much better because of the Canberra Comedy Festival and totally. how great that is for the last five or six years. It is a really fantastic scene to start in, I found. Like, I would even go as far as saying like, if someone was in Melbourne and they were starting comedy and they had a job offer in Canberra but they wanted to do comedy as well, I would say go mm. because you're going to have more opportunities here than anywhere else in Australia, I feel. Because, really? Yeah, I, I really think so because the – I mean starting out. I mean yeah. quality of gigs, mm. how many gigs you're doing early on is really crucial. Like in Melbourne now, if you come there and you're starting out new, you're going to sign-up nights where there's 30 people signing up. You might have to wait three hours to get on stage to do three minutes to oh. those comedians that were also on the list. There's no crowd there, you know. That's so tough. Yeah, it's, it's brutal. It's brutal, and, so and where if you came here, um, I remember I like my first gig was in Green Faces. I met a few people at the gig. I'm then doing all the gigs around town. There was only four at the time, but I'm on the lineup. Yeah. Like, and there's yeah. proper crowds there. Yeah, every week because they're run. There's only 15 comics in Canberra. That's a fascinating insight because um, mm. I because we've lost a lot of great local comedians to Melbourne mm. and Sydney. You know, yeah. they've moved. These young stars like Emma Holland and mm. Harris Stuckey, Danny Bensley, Andrew Bensley, they've yeah. left us, yeah. you know. Um, Frank Frankie McNair just moved to Melbourne. Mm. Um, Maddie Weeks is leaving. Uh, and I, I want to tell him, <laughs> yeah. listen to Dan. He said it's great here. But they're, they're, they're next level now yeah, too. Yeah. So it's, it's probably easier for them. But, yeah. Um, well, they've probably already gone through that three or four years here, yeah, haven't they, they have, of cutting yeah. their teeth and getting ready. So they're ready to go down there. Um, I was lucky when I left because Melbourne wasn't as crazy as it is now. Like there was no, you know, there was a lot of comics, but it, it is on steroids now, the Man. amount of stand-up comedians starting out. Uh, so here is a great little breeding ground. And, and like I always – I get asked, you know, is there any – you know, do you want to do a gig in Canberra for this? And I'm like, just ask one of the Canberra comedians. Like, just there, yeah, we there, know there is, yeah, yeah, there is, there is professional comedians <laughs> living in Canberra that can do the job for you. Like, they're top quality. Yeah, like, yeah, just yeah. just getting that through to people. Like, it's just so, yeah. it's an ongoing battle. People are still shocked when they show up at gigs and actually have a good time. They're yeah. like, I did not think that would be like that. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Thanks for your vote of support. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But I, I've had a little bit more to do with the Sydney scene mm. um, in the last year or so, and I. I have found that to be um, very accessible as well. Yeah, yeah. Sydney's great. Yeah. Uh, especially if you can get in with the comedy, you know, the comedy store mm. and the guys from Century yeah. who are running a lot of the great gigs up there. Um, it's a good foot in the door. So now, you know, today we sit here 2019, you're seven years in. Yeah. Seven years right. in. It's gone quick, yeah. right? And you're kicking goals now. Like in the last couple of years, 2018, 19, we just mentioned Sydney. You've done the Sydney Comedy Festival Gala uh, and you've done the Canberra Comedy Festival Gala, 2018. Did you do it this year as well, 2019? No. No? Had a bit of a falling out. We won't talk about that. <laughs> you know I was rubbish this year. <laughs> <laughs> um, that must feel nice. Like when you get asked to do the – like seven years in is not – you know, they say you've got to do 10 years yeah. before you 
you finish your apprenticeship, so you're still... They know how old I am, Dan. <laughs> like they, they've adjusted the time frame. <laughs> well, that was like a, like a dog years for you. you yeah, dub- that's it. Double the, double the time. That's it. Well, it's time seven, but you're not... Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've had... They've, I've been... I don't want to... I, I feel bad. Isn't that typical of mm. a comedian to feel bad about... Good fortune. Yeah. Um, but Sydney Comedy uh, Festival Gala, we're talking, you're playing at the Enmore Theatre. That there was too. the best gig I think I've ever done. 1500? Yeah, something yeah. like that. And um, it was filmed as well. So that hopefully that clip will come out oh, soon. Yeah. Um, it was an incredible gig. Mm. That and Town Hall, I did the closing night gala as well. Yeah. I did, you know, it, I've had enormous opportunities and I feel really lucky about that. And it's really <laughs> hard to talk about um, because, you know, they're the gigs everyone wants and yeah. so many people would do a great job at those gigs. Yeah. It's very hard not to have a great gig. I uh, think you're – you saying that it's hard to talk about it, you know, you don't want to sound cocky or whatever other words you can mm. think of, but mm. I really think that's a Canberra comedian thing. I think that's right. that's bred from starting out here because people mm. – it's that constant thing of there's no – Comedians in Canberra Is there even yeah. a scene in Canberra <laughs> Like this little brother Oh can we have a go From time to time I really think that's the thing Where you've just got to start going No fuck we yeah, are yeah. We are quality here Oh we are uh, Yeah there yeah. is yeah. There's yeah, half a dozen Headliners here mm. We can do the job mm. Give us the job oh, and, that's true And yeah that's yeah, the that is true That's what you're doing now yeah. In no, Sydney I've had And that's why they're asking you To do the game. Thank you Daniel mm. I, It has been an extraordinary run And I'm mm feel really freaking excited. Like I am genuinely excited. There are times when I am childlike in my excitement about <laughs> it all and the opportunities that I think might be ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I That's hope. Great. That's you know, great. I want to make a crack of this. I this is mm. my go-to. This is my thing now. Yeah. You know, I I'm I don't like work, but I would work hard for this, mm. you know. And I am working quite hard for this. Yeah. So, it's bloody great. Yeah. It's been amazing. Sydney's been so great for me. Yeah. Um, Canberra's been so great for me. Mm. Now I hope one day Melbourne will be great for That's me. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Next, you, the world. Yeah. Mm. Back to India. <laughs> India. One day, yeah. Yeah. You mentioned uh, the Sydney as, as well. You've done solo shows the last couple of years as well, which mm. is doing the full hour at mm. a festival. Mm. Um, how, what sort of crowds are you pulling there? I'm curious to know. Yeah. Um, who's coming to see Chris uh, Ryan? Are we talking numbers or type of people? Type of people. Yeah. I think I'm determining that – I mean, I like to paint a broad brush. I, I like to think that it. I appeal to a, a lot of different types of people, but I think mm. in the end you have to find who it is that you're really speaking yeah. to. And I think it's really people – it's mainly women, but there's a lot of men as well, but mm. it's mainly women, you know, maybe between about 35 and 60 mm. yeah. <laughs> um, who uh, maybe they are in a relationship – yeah. Um, and perhaps they have kids. They certainly know what it's like to work with dickheads yeah. um, at home and, and in the <laughs> office. Um, and they're pretty smart. Yeah. And they don't – look, I am not a bawdy comedian. Mm. Uh, I am not – you know, I was raised Catholic and um, I'm, I'm a bit repressed, mm. frankly. Yeah. And, um, you know, like I got asked to a gig the other day in Orange um, – and the the manager Nick Gleason, he said, "Make sure you leave nothing in the tank." <laughs> and I was like, "I really." It took me a long time on the drive to Orange to process that. I was yeah. like, "My whole life is about leaving stuff in the tank." <laughs> you know, like I leave stuff in the tank because I'm scared. Yeah. What if 
I run out, mm. you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Leaving stuff in the tank is what I do. So, yeah. I mean, I might I'm, – I'm understated, I think. Mm. I mean, I'm a bit brash sometimes and I will drop swear words, but I, I'm not – I'm not tits and ass girl, mm. you know, and I don't get my bits out, and I, yeah. I'm not a mashup cabaret, yet. you know, <laughs> yet. <laughs> <laughs> You're only seven years in. I talk to you in five years' time. Well, Chris uh, does you that know, whole show nude. Never know? say <laughs> never, right? But if that were to happen, that would mean I have gone through some significant change, right? Metamorphosis, yeah. if you will. Like, yeah, I'm. I, I don't know. I, I like to. S- Richard's I- finally asked Sarah out on a date. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's changed. <laughs> I don't know. I think I like. I'd like to think that my audience are are clever. Mm. They, they they've seen the world, mm. but they're not um, they're not anarchists. You know, they, yeah. they still pay the bills. You know what I well, mean? Well, you, you know the the number one ticket buyers in comedy are women. Yeah, between thanks 30, be to God, thirty and sixty. Well. I went and did a comedy so you're course. You're laughing. Well, <laughs> I wish all of the managers in Australia knew that. I'm hoping that they will. Um, early on, I did a comedy course by um, Tim Ferguson. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, he he he's a brilliant um, teacher of comedy, and one of the things he was talking about script writing and stuff. One of the things he said was there is a huge untapped market in older women. Mm. Um, they, they've, you know, they're retiring, they've got money and they want, they want to spend it. And, mm. and he was talking about movies, you know. Mm. There needs to be more women writing movies and being in movies yeah. of this age, you know, because they're sick of seeing just the young people. On mm. the, and I did take away from that thinking, well, not all hope is lost. Mm. Maybe I am old, but so what? You know, maybe yeah. we do need to see more older women up there. Yeah. And I, that's the feedback I get. Yeah. And seven years into a career, no matter what your age is, you're still very new at it. So the, you reckon? The, the, yeah, I, don't mean, <laughs> I think I'll get better. I, I think, yeah, I think, I think I'll you're get a better. fantastic act. No, no, no I I'll get mean, better. Yeah. Don't worry, I'll get you, better, Dan. You're better. Uh, <laughs> 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 no, I'm saying like, you, you know, you can go into, you know, stand-up, yeah. you, as long as you can talk. Yeah. You, you know, you can do it into your 60s. I hope so. You know. In a chair. I could definitely yeah. sit down sit and do down it. Sit down and do it. I yeah. could. Think of how how you know. Think how great you're going now. Think in another seven years. I time. hope so, Dan. I hope hmm. that's true. Well, I think you'll be absolutely fine. What do your kids and husband think now? <laughs> seven years ago, you took the plunge. They're like, "What the fuck's going on with mum?" <laughs> what are they? What What do they think now? So they, they're they're very, pretty pretty chuffed. They're proud of me. Yeah, that's great. They're always supportive, and mm. they are always proud of me, except for when I'm being a dickhead. Okay. So early on. I used to get extremely uptight and um, self-obsessed um, before a gig. Mm. You know what I mean? Like you'd Standard get in first, your own yeah, zone and yeah. you'd just be so nervous and the whole world should understand how busy and nervous mm. you are. And Remember when early <laughs> you would think about your gig the entire day? Remember yeah. that? Like yeah. you would you would think about even days in advance. You'd have a gig on Wednesday, Sunday. You'd be like, oh, fuck, yeah. I've got a gig on Wednesday. I'm going to do five minutes. The dread. What am I gonna, yeah. yeah, the dread would set in. Yeah. And so that, that – very early on, my partner took me aside and just said, listen, you decided to do this. <laughs> it's not our problem. Yeah. Don't make it our problem. <laughs> so that was something I took to heart. Did you we, say we, that looking over oh, his, yeah. his reflector sunglasses? Yeah, he looking, actually yeah. took the sunglasses off for that one. <laughs> and um, That means he's serious. He was that. dead serious yeah. and I knew I had to change my wicked ways. Mm. And I, I do, I still – so what I, the way I've managed that now is I take myself off and have a bath. 
That's good. Yeah. Yeah. I go and have a bath. Don't go in there, mum's in there. Yep, or I just lock myself in the bedroom. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. I basically absent myself from family life. <laughs> Excuse me, mum, can you get out of here? <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> Um, but it's not that bad. It's yeah. gotten better. But so unless I'm behaving badly, mm. they are very supportive. Mm. Yeah. So and they love hearing about my gigs, or they will at least listen to it. Mm. You know, like they don't tell me to stop talking about it. I run my jokes past my kids. They're very funny kids. They can <laughs> they understand yeah. how jokes work. I've taken them to comedy. Great. Um, you know, that's I, good because oh, that age great. that age of kid can sometimes be a bit. Yeah, yeah, that's not cool. They're Mom's finding out cool. what they want from yeah, the world and what great. they disagree with and stuff. And it's I once took my daughter at the age of 12 to Kitty Flanagan, great. which is probably too young, I'm going to say <laughs> it, but I, I snuck her in. Not this and, day and age. <laughs> and it was kind of challenging, mm. but I thought it was kind of like having a cool auntie yeah. say all those things to your daughter like and some of them were edgy as, yeah. and she would look. My daughter looked over at me, and I sort of looked at her, and I went, "Well, she's right." Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, yeah, and it, right, you can have a great discussion about it afterwards. Yeah. yeah. Um, so no, the kids are bloody great, and my partner, um, he would like me to actually contribute to the finances of, <laughs> of the family at some point yeah. in the future, rather than just keeping my own boat afloat. Yeah. Um, so that's the aim, but um, no, he. He's been great and yeah. it's it's only now that we can do this and it's only really at the end of last year that I started taking it full time. Yeah. And so now I'm running rooms to try and earn money and yeah. <laughs> stuff great. like that. So good. Yeah. I feel like because I've been in Melbourne now for nine years, I knew I would come back up here regularly for gigs obviously and I've known you since 2013. Mm. But And I've always thought you were funny and I thought that if Chris sticks at it, she oh. would be kicking goals. And it's really nice now, 2019, to see people in the comedy industry in Australia starting to know who Chris Ryan is. Uh, words Kyle. getting out there. I'm very excited about that <laughs> and I can't wait to see what's what's next for yourself. Thanks, Dan. No worries. And thanks very much for taking it easy with me today. Absolute pleasure, mate. Good on you. Hey, thanks for listening. You can get around Chris on social media. She's on Instagram at Christine Ryan comedy all one word that's c-h-r-i-s-t-i-n-e-r-y-a-n comedy that's instagram on facebook she's under chris ryan comedian give that a like as well or check out her website chris if you enjoy this podcast please tell your friends that'd be much appreciated uh, if you listen to it on apple Podcasts, send your friend there get him to subscribe or give it a rating that'd be much appreciated or you can check out spotify you can do a rating on there i'm pretty sure or leave a nice comment or you can listen on my website danielconnell.com.au under the podcast section while you're on the website you may as well check out my upcoming gigs uh which is under the gig section see what i'm up to in the live comedy world or also i would like you to do this if you get a chance to join my mailing list uh, just go to the front page of the website and join the mailing list and find out all the things that's coming up in the festival world also, if you're in a liking mood, you can jump on Instagram. My Instagram page is Daniel Connell Comedy. Give that a follow. And also Facebook, Daniel Connell Comedy as well. Give that a like on my page. That'd be much appreciated. And that is about it. Thanks very much for listening and take it easy. <laughs>